everyone, and welcome to The Witch Hut. I'm your host, Chelsea Martinez, and I hope you're having a magical day. I'm pretty sure that last episode, Juno was not quite recovered from her surgery, and I'm pleased to say that she has had her stitches out and is back to her normal self, but with a plan in place that will hopefully prevent this from happening ever again. I kind of just want to quickly remind you to pay attention to your pet's cues and to get them to a vet when something seems off with them. That sounds like a no-brainer, but a lot of people forget that their pets might not have an obvious reaction to a serious problem, and they can't tell us that something is wrong if we aren't paying attention. All right, so something that I used to do when this was a weekly show was once a month, I would do a book review and also give you a quick little blurb about some of the things that I particularly enjoyed that month. I still plan on doing book reviews here and there, but something that I really wanted to make sure I was including once a month was that roundup of things I like and would recommend. A lot of the things that I wind up enjoying are actually things that I learned about through podcasts that I like, and if I can give someone else that same experience, that would make me a very happy person. I'm not being paid to say any of this or anything like that. These are just things that I think people ought to know are great. Witchy recommendations might wind up here as well if there's something that I liked and it fits best in this segment. So first, I have a podcast to recommend. You might remember the early 2000s reality show, The Girls Next Door, which was a highly idealized version of life at the Playboy Mansion for three of the women who were living there at the time. Two of those women are Holly Madison and Bridget Marquardt, and they have a new podcast called Girls Next Level, and I absolutely love it. They're talking about their experiences on the show and beyond, and it's a really interesting peek into both that lifestyle and that particular era in cultural history. Both women are also major into the paranormal. Bridget has her own paranormal podcast called Ghost Magnet, and she's talked about her obstacles to getting her own ghost hunting show as a woman. Holly is also a self-proclaimed witch and talks very openly about her experiences with the supernatural, which I always love to hear. I also want to recommend the movie Don't Worry Darling. There was a lot of publicity drama around the film and I was interested in the movie but didn't have very high hopes because the reviews weren't great. That being said, I liked it so much that I watched it one night and then had to watch it again the following day. I did see a lot of Stepford Wife similarities, which is a movie I also really love, but I felt like Don't Worry Darling was more culturally relevant to what's going on in the world right now. I have definitely noticed that a lot of movies that are more than just quietly feminist tend to be poorly reviewed because people feel that the same statement has already been made. To which I would say that if the exact same statement did not need to be made repeatedly and updated to fit whichever year the movie is being made, then we would probably stop making that statement. So I spent a lot of Juno's confinement reading the Emily St. John Mandel novels, The Glass Hotel, Sea of Tranquility, and Station Eleven in that order, and I would absolutely recommend it. I think I've talked about at least one or two of those books before, but they're probably in the top 10 or so books I've read in the past decade. I don't want to go too far into any details, so I'll just say that the writing is phenomenal, and if you want to read something that does not feel like anything else, to give them a try. I also spent a lot of time working on a crochet sweater, and then I fucked up the sleeve, so I guess I'll be spending even more time on it, but while I was making the body of the sweater, I binge-watched the first season of The White Lotus, and holy shit was that good. It felt a lot like American Horror Story without the horror elements, just like in the style of storytelling. I haven't yet seen season two because I can't crochet and read the subtitles during the parts where they speak Italian. And lastly, I have a perfume recommendation. Unfortunately, 
unfortunately, I'm going to recommend something that might not be very easy to get your hands on because the collection that it came from is discontinued. Arcana Wildcraft has retired the Green Dreams collection and I jumped at the chance to get a few things that I had wanted but didn't get around to actually purchasing. I very much enjoy Cannabis Notes and Perfume because it's a green note that wears really well on my skin without turning sharp or bitter. One of the fragrances I picked up was Chillum, which is very pine forward for me and it settles into a very nice kind of mountain scent. There's a little bit of musk and that fuzzy greenness that softens the pine a little bit. If you happen to find it, or maybe it makes a return as a limited quantity item, I would highly recommend Chillum if you've been looking for a pine fragrance. I'm really excited about today's episode because I've been wanting to do something like this basically since I even thought about having a podcast. Today, I am talking about pop culture witches and getting deep with some of my favorite witches from TV and movies. All right, so there are a lot of witches to pick from, so I had to set a few parameters. I tried to pick pieces of media that were focused on at least one main character that specifically identified as a witch. And I also tried to choose things that I felt were accessible enough that they would be easy enough to watch, or they might be things that you've already seen. When putting together my list, I also tried to pick things that made me feel reasonably comfortable saying that pretty much anyone listening to this podcast has probably seen at least one thing from my list and include at least a little bit of variety. I'm not really evaluating these movies and shows as pieces of media, and I'm really just talking about the witches themselves and the witchcraft they practice. I'm focusing more on the way that witchcraft is represented, how magic works in these pieces of fiction, and so on. I'm not going to avoid spoilers, but I'm also really not discussing the finer points of the plot, so I'm not going to try to discuss spoilers. I also picked things that were at least a couple years old because I do feel like after about a year, spoilers are fair game. So like if you've been waiting 26 years to watch The Craft, I, I don't even know what to tell you. And if I'm talking about a TV series, I'm focusing mostly on the first season or so because that's when most of the world building is established. And I also found that with longer running shows like Charmed, a lot of the fictional universe changes quite a bit and I'm much more interested in how that world with its magical system was originally envisioned. I'm starting off with Sabrina Spellman herself in both the 90s sitcom Sabrina the Teenage Witch and in the Netflix reimagining The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I personally feel like Sabrina herself is pretty similar in both shows, but each respective show has its own very distinct universe and the way that witchcraft works is significantly different in each one. Sabrina the Teenage Witch is a sitcom, so the magic tends to be much more lighthearted and is usually a source of comedy and thus portrayed in a very tongue-in-cheek way. So the idea that magic works is that it seems to be genetic and there are witches and mortals. Sabrina herself is half mortal and that makes her an anomaly since there are a lot of consequences for witches and mortals who get married and have children, which in some ways does make sense when you consider that witches live for centuries and well, mortals do not. If you're a witch living on earth, you need to keep your magic to yourself, but if you feel like living your most magical life, you can go live in the other realm. Something that I like about the way magic is portrayed is that it's pretty modern. Sure, there's spell work to be done, but just like mortals, witches like modern convenience, so there are instant substitutes for things that would otherwise take ages. Pre-made potions and handy gadgets and tools for witches 
who have no use for tradition. This isn't something that I've seen in many other places, and I do like the idea that the magical world would modernize. There really is not any kind of spiritual aspect to witches in this version of Sabrina, and magic is kind of treated as a given for those with magical powers. That might be different from the perspective of the witches living in the other realm, but apart from a few episodes, Sabrina stays on Earth and she doesn't seem to have any spiritual practice. As for what form spells take, the witches in the show point their finger and then the magic happens immediately, and the series made prolific use of 90s special effects to make that possible. The Chilling Adventures has a major shift in tone, but it also has a lot of other changes. So the kind of process by which you get your powers is more or less the same in that you are born with them. I don't believe there is a way for someone not born with magical powers to receive them, although I'll add the disclaimer that I have yet to see the very last season, so it's possible that more information about witches outside of Sabrina's immediate circle becomes available. However, that's where the similarities end. There's absolutely a spiritual element in the chilling adventures and religion is a significant part of being a witch. The show premiered in 2018 and I think that its magical system was definitely created with a more contemporary audience in mind since it pivots away from the kind of special effects gags and silly punny bits from Teenage Witch. 2018 was still in that major resurgence of interest in real life witchcraft and although there are definitely fantasy elements in the chilling adventures, it does have that feel of something a real life witch might do but dramatically exaggerated. It's not that hard to imagine saying a cleansing spell in the shower, although your real world cleansing spell is probably not scrubbing off a curse from a trio of witches that can appear and vanish at will. And as a real-life witch, I do like the way that it feels to watch this particular type of on-screen magic because it feels like there are little nods to what real witches might do. In writing this, I realized that a lot of witchcraft and fiction is completely devoid of spirituality, and part of why I think that Chilling Adventures was able to include it is because of how their system of magic works. A major aspect of most spiritualities is that there's some kind of faith in something you can't verify the way you would be able to verify something physical. But a lot of fictional witches can actually verify that magic is happening in the moment because all it takes is pointing a finger or twitching their nose. They wouldn't actually need to have faith that their magic is going to work, just like you don't need to have faith every time you flick on a light switch. So even though there's nothing preventing these witches from having some kind of spiritual convictions, there isn't a need for their spirituality to have anything to do with their witchcraft. In The Chilling Adventures, however, magic isn't necessarily a thing that you can see happening with your eyes. So apart from the major plot points that involve religion, it makes sense that you would have to have some kind of faith that your magic is going to work. I definitely notice that the more fantastical the magic system is, the less there's really any reason to attach a spiritual context. And as for Sabrina herself, I feel like her character is more or less the same in both of the shows, especially if you account for the differences between them. What the shows have in common is that a lot of the plot is driven by Sabrina being generally a good person, but headstrong and impulsive without always understanding her lack of experience. Something that I like about the sitcom version is that the witches themselves are usually considered good, and even though that's not really the case in The Chilling Adventures, Sabrina is shown to be using her powers for good. Next, I want to talk about The Love Witch, which came out in 2016, so it's definitely made with a more contemporary audience in mind. This is the most unique piece of fiction on my list, specifically because nothing explicitly supernatural actually happens. The main character is a woman named Elaine Parks, who is a self-described witch. I feel like the plot is meant to be taken as she is doing magic, but I think it's important to point out that you don't actually see any evidence of magic that could not be caused by something else. The basic plot is that Elaine is doing love spells and causing havoc with them, and you see her doing the spells, 
but you also see her dosing her intended victims with hallucinogens, after which they become totally obsessed with her. The magical system in this movie feels very close to real life, probably because it's all based on actual witchcraft. There are spells, rituals, and magical items, and none of that really differs from how it works in real life. The movie has a 70s pulp feeling, so the rituals do play into the spooky occult tropes that are really common in that genre, but none of it was anything that I felt would never happen in real life. There's a very heavy spiritual element since ostensibly the way you're able to use magic is through spiritual means and not because you're born with it or because magical powers are bestowed upon you. As for my thoughts on Elaine, I will say that I think you're not meant to like her and that definitely comes across. I feel like the film was intended to make a statement about women's empowerment in the context of heterosexual relationships. And I do get the sense that the movie thinks it's much more feminist than it really is. Elaine is supposed to at least outwardly represent the only feminine an archetype that's completely independent of a relationship to a man. She's a self-proclaimed witch. And she seems adept at magic in the sense that this is a woman who is absolutely living the witch life. But for all that she's meant to be empowered, she's totally fixated on finding love and has some very backwards ideas about relationships. At one point, she says to her girl boss pantsuit wearing neighbor that what men want is, quote, just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them and to make them feel like a man and to give them total freedom in whatever they want to do or be. Her neighbor kind of debates this statement a little and asks how they're supposed to be equals if they're always catering to men, but she eventually gestures to her wedding ring and says, I'll admit I used sex to get this, but I'm not proud of it. And I'm telling you this to say that even though the witches in this movie do not come off especially well, neither does anyone else. And I would also say that even though I have my criticisms about the movie, I would still recommend it just because it is really cool to see something that more closely resembles witchcraft from my own life on screen. Next, I want to talk about American Horror Story Coven. I know that the witches reappear in Apocalypse, but I kind of felt like a lot of what happens in Apocalypse is sort of inconsistent with what the audience learns about witches in Coven. I also want to give a big disclaimer that Coven is highly problematic in a lot of ways, and in discussing it, I'm not condoning those aspects of the show at all. I'd also add that the continued storyline in Apocalypse is very problematic. I wasn't sure that I wanted to include Coven, but there are a lot of aspects of Coven witchcraft that I couldn't remember seeing anywhere else, and so it wasn't something that I could just pull off the list and then replace with something else. I also think that it's better to talk about it and say that Coven has many, many instances of racist, sexist, or ableist writing, because if I just don't mention it, you might walk away with the impression that Coven didn't make the list just because I hadn't seen it or I didn't think it was worth talking about. So that out of the way, the witchcraft in Coven is genetic and there seems to be more than one way in which magic works. It seems like every witch is born with some type of special power, but from what I understand, witches are also able to all perform rituals, make potions, cast spells, and so on. In every generation, one witch is able to harness all seven of what the coven witches consider to be the most significant powers, and that witch is the supreme. It seems like most witches can do at least one, but only one witch can do all seven. When the newest supreme comes into her power, the current supreme begins to grow old, and when she passes, the next supreme takes her place, and so on. I do like the magical system where everyone has a unique gift, and I also like the idea of the seven wonders. There's something about that that feels very esoteric, and and I feel like that really plays into the literal coven aspect of the show. The magic itself also feels very esoteric. It's not a lot of big flashes of light and puffs of smoke. It's a little more subtle without losing the magic quality. 
I will say that the main coven does not seem to be especially spiritual. There is a second group of witches who are voodoo practitioners and there are obvious spiritual elements to their characterization, although I find the way they are written to be extremely questionable. And speaking of covens, now it's time to talk about the craft. This is a classic and it's definitely informed a lot of witch-related movies and TV. The craft does something interesting with the way that magic works. You can get your powers by asking for them, but there's also a story element wherein you can be born with extra special powers. As for how realistic it is, I would put it in the real but heavily dramatized category. I know that they did bring in an actual witch to help make the ritual scenes more accurate, but there are definitely special effects used to make the magic look more exciting. There's a scene where Sarah casts a glamour on herself and changes her brown hair blonde in an instant, which would obviously not happen in real life, but I felt like the whisper of reality was present most of the time just with some embellishments. I would say that the witches are portrayed to be neither inherently good nor bad, with the message being that power will corrupt you if you allow it to. On the lighter side of things, I also want to talk about Kiki's delivery service. I actually really love the way that witches live their lives in this movie. When they turn 13, they leave home and find a town in need of a witch where they develop their unique abilities and become an integral part of their new homes. I love this because it calls back to the witch as a wise one in the village, someone who is there to help and has an important role in the community. Since this is a kids movie, the plot is fairly straightforward and while there's some world building that happens, the details of how magic works are kind of sparse. The basics are that you get your powers through genetics and from what I can tell, only women and girls are witches. The existence of witches seems to be pretty well accepted and even though most towns seem to really appreciate their respective witches, the impression that I got was that a lot of the bigger cities are kind of modernized to not rely on a witch so they may not have one living there. There doesn't seem to be much of a spiritual aspect to magic in Kiki's world, which isn't that surprising given its target audience. I'm imagining that if some of the less lighthearted aspects of the world were discussed and made into some kind of canon, then a lot of those things would happen off screen. Something that I appreciate about Kiki's delivery service is that not only are witches portrayed as generally good and helpful, there aren't even any bad witches. I feel like often in fiction, what happens is you have a protagonist who is a good witch, but you also have an antagonist who who is a bad witch. I understand why that's a popular trope, but it's nice to see a world populated by witches who aren't just good because of some kind of fluke. I've saved one of my favorites for last, and that is Charmed. This is about the original series and specifically the first season or two. The show changed quite a lot over its entire run, and I did find that a lot of what happens in the later seasons does not necessarily fit the way that the magical world was laid out for us at first. Okay, so the magical world in Charmed is very, very large, but to sum it up, Witches seem to only be women and they also seem to only ever receive their powers through genetics. There's not a major spiritual element to the show, probably because just like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you do not need to have faith in a thing you can see. I would also add that even though spirituality doesn't seem to be a requirement of being a witch, a lot of the witches who are not part of the main cast do seem to have some kind of spiritual life or spiritual practice. That could also be the way that the showrunners chose to write and direct those roles because Charmed premiered in 1998 and Wicca was pretty popular around that time. I think it's reasonable to say that it could have been a deliberate choice to include witches to fit what was the idea of a modern witch. 
Charmed does a thing that I don't see terribly often, and that is not only do the main witch characters not want to be witches, they continue to not want to be witches for quite a while. Because if you're a witch in the Charmed universe, you don't only have to deal with your magic powers, you also have to fight demons and risk your life to save the world. I actually really like the plotline of witchcraft not being a net positive, especially for modern women in their 20s with lives of their own. For the most part, other fictional witches do not spend very much time grappling with the fact that they did not ask to be witches and they may have planned on doing other things with their lives. Charmed does include the trope of every witch having a special power, and that was a really interesting part of the show for me. Obviously, witches can all cast spells and make potions, and often they get better results when working with other witches. I think that a lot of us who grew up and chose to become witches had some piece of witchy fiction that really lit that fire within them. For me, it was Charmed. Don't get me wrong. I was a huge Harry Potter fan, and that only changed once the author made it impossible for me to support her in any context. But Charmed was special for me because that particular world was easy enough to imagine inside our real world, just below the surface and peeking out through the cracks. This week, I'm using the Soul Cats Tarot. I'm pretty sure I've used it before on the show, but in case I haven't, this is a very pretty cat tarot deck. It's full of magical cats, and the art style is very soft and just a little bit mysterious. Our card this week is the High Priestess, and on a personal note, this was my card for how the month of November will end for me. The High Priestess tends to be misunderstood in my experience. I think that people view this as the card of the witch, but I feel like too often they wind up borrowing aspects of the magician and even the hierophant and giving them to the high priestess. The high priestess is much more about passive receptivity and the way that something that is ancient and long-standing has the ability to become still and simply choose to witness. This isn't really about spiritual identity or arcane skills. This is about understanding that you're a blip on the radar of the history of the world, and once you understand that there's more to life than just your ego, you can begin to actually see what's going on outside of your immediate perceptions. I think that as we move into the darkest part of the year, this card might encourage you to just remain still in the dark and just see what happens. A lot of the wintertime traditions we have are meant to chase away the dark and the cold, but there's a lot of value in letting the cold air bite at your skin and in allowing yourself to see what comes to you in the darkness. And with that, we are at the end of our time here in the Witch Hut. Thank you for joining me and make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the Witch Hut Pod and follow me at Chelsea the Witch for everything behind the scenes and into the beyond. I'll see you once again in two weeks, and until then, please take care of yourself and live your best magical life.